We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 109. Our guest today is the founder of arguably one of the most well-known equestrian brands in our sport today. Equifit is one of my favorite brands, and whether you've been in the equestrian world for a little bit of time or all of your life, chances are you have heard of them and you have used their products too. So here today to talk about all of the talent and innovation and hard work that went into creating Equifit, let's hear it from the founder, Alexandra Cherubini. Would love to hear about your story, how you kind of got into the equestrian community, starting with yourself riding and how that looks, and then how that transitioned into you starting Equifit. Okay, sounds good. So let's see, I started riding when I was 12. I always said that I fell in love with horses, much in, much uh, to my parents' dismay. <laughs> so uh, they still wonder when I'm going to grow out of it, but clearly that's never going to happen. Um, so a friend of mine uh, brought me to the barn. She rode at the time. And I went to the barn, and I really didn't have much exposure to horses at the time. Went to the barn, and I'd always loved animals and played a lot of sports. So we went to the barn one afternoon, and I fell in love with the horses. I rode. I fell in love even more, and I was hooked. So it was really from that moment on that that is set in my blood. I always say it's like a drug. It's either like in your blood or it's not. It's um, it's you just get hooked and and I was hooked at that age. So I started then and eventually did some local horse shows. I actually just came across some photos where it's like costume classes and um right, like did really fun stuff. I went to a camp called Pony Farm up in New Hampshire Mm -hmm. and we would go swimming with the horses and just do like really fun activities with the horses and and like the showing element and the competitive part wasn't really a huge element at that time for me when I when I first started being around horses. And then as time developed, I started to get more and more involved with like competing and doing the hunter jumper stuff in our area. So I grew up outside of Boston. So I showed a lot around there. And then it just evolved from there. And I started around what, when I was 15, I started coming down to Wellington and showing. I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And I rode throughout my junior years. And then once I went to college, I stopped riding for a bit and majored in anthropology. And I focused on that. I had a good time as um, a college student, played tennis briefly up there. And after that, moved to New York lived in New York for a while, worked in fashion PR, and really had to get back to horses. It was always on my mind to be able to involve horses back into my life. So to back up a little bit, my family is in the medical supply business. They started a medical supply business uh, 50 years ago this year. And so I grew up with tons of different materials around me, product development. There's products always around us. Just And the company distributes, manufactures over 75,000 items. And I should say we manufacture around a thousand outside of Boston. So I had that background and 
like I said, was working in PR and just really had to figure out a way to get back to horses. So I was walking down the street in New York one day and a light bulb went off and we figured, hey, what about combining right the skill set of our our medical supply business and what I had been seeing my entire life with my passion. Yeah. So shoulders back with our was our first product. And I thank my trainers for that um, because they used to make me ride with a stick behind my back. Yeah. So, right. So uh, I feel like everyone's had those stories, whether it's a broomstick or a stick, some, some type of device to help with posture on a horse. So uh, that was our first product. And we worked with the team of orthopedists to develop that. And oh. that was sort of a fun product because it really took this wild turn where it ended up in fashion magazines and W, Women's Wear Daily. It ended up in a home shopping network. It ended up on display at the Met in New York for a show called Extreme Beauty. Hmm. Um, and it just had this like wild life on its, and really uh, took a detour from the equine industry. So I sort of went with that for a while and then really wanted to get back to the horses and decided to put our focus back in the equestrian world and on the equine athletes. That's a little bit of how, how we got going. Yeah. At that point, when Shoulders Back had kind of taken a non-equestrian spin, were you continuing to ride on your own and then just leaving those two things separate at that point in time? I still was riding during that time, but I really was trying to promote it in both worlds. But it was at a time where, so I, I was living in New York during that time, and I rode at a barn in New Jersey. And it was at a time where, I was taking all the orders, like I was cutting the packaging out with my husband, now my now husband. I was going to FedEx every day. So it was a very much like a different time or very hands-on. I had a landline that <laughs> that <Yeah>. um, <laughs> that I would like make calls from or orders would come in on. Um, but I really, I really kept pushing the, the horse and the equine world, but I kept getting a lot from... Hmm the non-equine world. So I, I tried to keep both going. So I really wanted to be in the horse industry, but it was hard to ignore this amazing opportunity Yeah. Um, in the mainstream world. What do you think made that transition back into the equestrian world happen? Ooh, what did, let's say, I think a lot, I have to say like a lot of passion really made, because it would have been easy at that time to go in a very different direction. Sure but I really wanted to work with horses. Yeah. So I think it was a lot of passion, focus, dedication, and tenacity to just yeah. keep on going back into that world when I was being pulled into another one. Right. Yeah. It must've been like, I don't know if frustrating is the right word, but like you were having success and yes. you're like, great, but no, like horse riders. Right. I want to be over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think the concept of shoulders back for equestrians is a no brainer. It's so cool. And since then you have created so many horse related products. What was that transition for when you were just working with shoulders back to when you were like, I'm going to start creating more and more products. So let's see. So shoulders back. So like I said, it, it went on this wild ride. And, you know, that was a couple years, but mm. we really didn't launch another product for probably, I want to say like three or four years. Wow. Yeah. Like Shoulders Back was so busy. Yeah. Um, and again, I was really at the time doing most of it. 
I didn't have like a, a huge team to help. So I would say probably like 2004 or so, we launched our first course boot. And that was really, I remember the day, there's this material, right, that we used in a bunch of our products called T-Foam. Mm-hmm. And it was the um, foam originally developed for astronaut seating. And it's used a lot in operating rooms okay. and wheelchair cushions. So I was at our facility in Dedham and I was playing with it because our medical supply business had sold it forever or for a long time. And I was playing with it and I was like, wait, what about this as a liner and horse suit? Hmm. Right. And I had known the properties of it, right? Conforms to the body every time, absorb shock, shock and vibration, breathable. And that was sort of the beginning of our journey back into the horse market, I would say, but also really starting to produce products for the equine athlete. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, your knowledge that you had from the medical area is so unique. And you kind of like hearing all of those benefits of the T-foam, it's like, wait, those are all good for horses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. And obviously, over the last, you know, 15 years or so, Equifit has just grown a ton. And Mm -hmm. you have boots, you have wraps, you have different therapy lines and half pads Mm -hmm. and bonnets and like so much now. How do you feel like your company has changed besides the obvious from when you just had one product or a couple products versus, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple lines? First of all, our team has grown. We have a great team and couldn't do it without them. Like huge shout out to them. They're awesome. Um, Also, even in terms of our, our extended team, let's say all of our, you know, uh, riders that we work with, managers, uh, grooms, I mean, they, that world has expanded for us and, and we really couldn't do what we do without each and every one of them. Yeah. Um, so one thing is that we've been able to, as our product line has grown, we are able to hopefully help a lot more, let's say people and horses during different times um, of let's say like whether they're, they're showing and or their time at home. Mm-hmm. So we can have more touch points with people and horses. And also our plan is to, to begin to expand into other markets now that we have a broader line. Cool. That's exciting. Obviously back in the day when mm-hmm. Equifit was beginning, your means to market your products probably looks so different than what it looks like now. What was that kind of transition like? It's almost hard to remember, to be honest. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> 2004. Right? Like, it was a long time ago. So there was a lot of print advertising. Yeah. A lot. We did a lot of print advertising. What else did we do? A lot of our stuff would say for the fall under guerrilla marketing. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of pounding the pavement at horse shows. We still do. But, you know, going barn to barn, talking to people, dropping off information. Yeah. Um, Spent a lot of time putting information up in porta potties, um, yeah. and really just just phone calls. Mm-hmm. There were, there's a lot of like cold calling. I remember the first time I was sitting in my apartment in Brooklyn, and I remember the first tax store that ordered from us. I had like a yellow pages, and I forget the exact location, but I called. I pitched the product. Thankfully, I had done some PR before. Pitched the <laughs> product, and they were like, "We'll order six. and I was like. This is amazing. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that still happens, but it's obviously the the channels of communication, as you said, are like they're so different now. Mm-hmm. And marketing. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, just a lot of 
like I said, print ad and, and pounding the pavement and yeah, Facebook and those things didn't exist. So we would do things like we couldn't afford to jump in the main ring. So we would um, paint the rails in the schooling area. Nice. That's yep, a good so we idea. Doing that. And then let's say at WEF when Exhibitor Services, uh-huh. right there you see computers and you could go check your email there. Yeah. That was way back when, wow. when people didn't have it on their phones. So we used to do the screensavers there. Cool. And we used to set up our tent right by the Grand Prix ring, which people didn't do at that time. So, so yeah, we used to do like fun stuff, but now now you see it all the time. So it doesn't seem as as cool anymore. But yeah, but it, it no, was but that you yeah. you had to get creative around. Yeah, we had to get creative because yeah. we just couldn't. A lot of the um, sponsorship packages, like, we couldn't afford. Right. So we had to bring mm-hmm. to them new ideas. Yeah. But I feel like now, if you'd bring back some of those, like, vintage ideas, it would be cool right. again. Because no yeah. one else is doing them anymore. Cool. I know. I yeah. know. A big thank you is in order to our sponsor today, Neil Jones Equestrian. Neil Jones Equestrian has been successfully pairing amazing horses and riders, finding the perfect match for over 30 years. They do all of the work and have all of the contacts to find top hunter, jumper, and equitation horses, and have facilities on both the East Coast and the West Coast. So no matter where you are or what you're looking for in the hunter-jumper world, Neil Jones Equestrian has got it for you. Trust and loyalty are huge to them, and obviously they're crucial parts of a successful long-term partnership. So if you are in the market, head over to neiljonesequestrian.com for more information. Thank you so much, Neil Jones Equestrian. Let's get back to the episode. In 2004, was there a lot of emphasis on any type of like sponsored riders, or was that even a thing yet? I'm trying to think what year we first started sponsoring people it was probably like 2005 or so okay. around then it was pretty different it wasn't as obviously there weren't the outlets to to what to advertise or mm-hmm. say to really um, score and show the partnership to the outside world right but our first riders were michael morrissey and then yeah. mclean ward those nice. were our two so we worked with the, them and we still do um cool. from the very beginning but get yeah, a sponsored rider not as expensive as it is now. Yeah. They're just working opportunities, I think, to sort of blow it out to the world as much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now, I mean, even just being in Wellington for the circuit, you see Equifit everywhere, whether it's yeah. a banner or whether it's through a sponsored rider or um, a jump or, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever, they're, they're around. And it's really cool to see that and see that growth. Yeah. What would you say is an area of this niche of the industry that you are within and, and know so much about that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk enough about? I really think that we could um, give more give more attention and uh, props, if you will, to the grooms. I really feel like the grooms are are behind the scenes and make make our world go round. Mm-hmm, totally. So without them, say we wouldn't get to the ring or, you know, the horses, it's so important on how the care of the horses on and how happy the horses are. And that, uh, you know, equates to their performance in the ring. And I just, I've always felt like that is an under-recognized group in the horse show community. 
Totally. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, you're so right with how behind the scenes, but these guys are literally before the sun comes up until the sun goes down and doing so many different things. And for a good chunk of the, of the industry, a lot of times you see your horse tacked up and ready to go and show ready, quiet and, um, focused and, and, you know, just ready to perform. And there's so much, you know, backstory and so much that goes on. And I think another cool aspect is that our grooms really are, um, for the most part are the ones that really do know our horse the best and are spend the most time. I, I 100% agree. And they, right. They know, they know, you know, every inch of their body, they know, you know, if a hair is off and Mm -hmm. out or, you know, if their ears are, are not in the same position as they usually yeah. are. Um, and I also think there's just this skill set that grooms have that is, again, it's under-recognized. I mean, that is, it is a uh, profession that that's hard to, right. It's a, it's a learned profession. That's not, it's not, it doesn't come naturally. To yes. Everybody. Yeah. And, um, and I also think too, just as, as a rider that you go through emotions with your team and they see you sort of in these highs and lows that no one else really sees you, mm-hmm. right? So there can be times where, right, things just went great. We had an amazing trip. Things worked out. Maybe you won, maybe you didn't. Maybe it was just a great round. Mm-hmm. And there's this overwhelming, great, joyous moment. And then there are times where you're on the ground. Yep. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and then everyone's on the ground, right? Right. Goes wrong with your horse, and um, there's just a lot of emotion in that unit, and it's such. A, I think it's just a, such a a uh, important and under recognized relationship. Definitely, and I think for me, I've had a couple life experiences where I've gotten a taste of grooming. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not to the level that um, the grooms that I work with have, but right. even just having that little taste—the long hours, the even the fraction of um, tasks that d- they do—I mean, I have so much respect for their job, and there's no way that I could last <laughs> more than like a month in their shoes. So, right, right. It's, it's amazing hard. what they all do. Yeah. It is hard work. Like you said, long hours. And I mean, really you're never off. No. Right. You're always have to be on. I was actually thinking about it a little bit over the weekend and just as far as just our world right now. And Mm -hmm. you you have like frontline workers yeah, and, and essential workers. And I mean, obviously it's very different, but at the same time, like in our industry, like grooms are frontline workers. Our world would not be what it is, nor would it function without them. Totally. Yeah. A big thank you. And I think that that's a huge, that's such a very cool perspective. Um, and obviously th- like there's some, um, I know certain horse shows, especially at the end of the year have different prizes or awards to recognize these grooms. But I mean, what would you think would be some things that the industry could do or that we could do to showcase these grooms more? You know, I've thought about that a little bit. And um, so for Equifit, we we used to, and we really should bring it up back again, but we used to have a soccer tournament every every winter for the groom. But I mean, it was really like, it's grooms, riders, but really the main focus was uh, for the grooms as a, as a thank you. I also think that, for example, when a horse wins a class and the owners are listed, the riders listed, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the groom should be recognized or the manager. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because it really is, it, it takes a village. Totally. Right. It's just, it's not just, it's not just the rider and the horse. There's a lot of prep that goes into the rider and the horse walking into the ring mm-hmm. and making sure things go right. But right. I think some sort of recognition like that. I love the grooms awards. Those are great. Yep. Yeah. I think just like, right. More, more recognition on, and probably just overall, like more conversations of totally what's, what do you need? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how much that conversation happens. Right. Yeah. That's a good point too. Just more, um, more direct communication. And, um, I mean, cause really a lot of times I, I feel like I've had to, pivot my conversations maybe with the grooms that, that I've worked with in the past, instead of, um, an employer employee type of relationship, a lot of times I'm asking their advice or I'm asking, you know, what do you, do you feel like this looks different or what do you think about this? What would you recommend using on this? Um, because it's, I mean, they are around it all the time and, and I'll, uh, they a hundred percent, they, they totally know more than I do. So yep. kind of shifting that perspective a little bit, I think is important. I agree. And there is, you know, as far as the awards go, you know, FBI has the groom of the year award. And I know right now they're doing the decade of the year award and, you know, for example, Lee McKeever is up for that. Yeah. Um, and for, you know, I'm on the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee for USEF. And as far as, you know, as we know, there's a large Spanish speaking population in the grooms um, and they're doing a, having a new membership court categories. And they're also, um, because there is a lot of Spanish speaking, there's going to be like forms that have been translated, translated into Spanish as well. Nice. I feel like that's at least right. Like steps towards making it more inclusive and recognizing that we're all not coming from the same place. Right. Yeah. I think that that's a really, that's a really smart thing and a good step in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Um, well, Alexandra, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I, thank you so much. I absolutely love your story. I yeah. am obsessed with your products. And so I thought oh, it would be definitely. the perfect combination. Oh, you're best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.